This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Lots to get to today, everybody. We got uh, my good friend Keith Rashad coming up on the show, a debut of a new segment called My Least Favorite Team is My Favorite Team. We'll do that every week. It's the title of a book he wrote 13 years ago, and uh, it makes a great segment title as well. Um, mostly focusing on the Vikings. We'll go week by week, but this is kind of the preseason look ahead at what is going on with the Vikings. So hope you enjoy the debut of that segment. We've got to talk about Joe Ryan's debut with the Twins, which I thought by and large was pretty good, but I have some thoughts on that. Got to talk a little bit of gopher football because the big game against Ohio State is tonight. I think 14 points is too much, and I have some thoughts on... uh, on what should happen in this game. But first, what did I miss? Vikings have been making all sorts of news uh, with kind of roster cutdowns and everything else that's going on this year. And I think we'll get to that. We're recording an Access Vikings podcast uh, this afternoon as well. So a lot of the ins and outs of that team will be covered there. Um, A couple things I thought were interesting. One, Mike Zimmer having pretty tepid confidence in... uh, in Kellen Mond, basically asked about uh, how he feels about Kellen Mond as the number two quarterback. He basically said, we'll see how it goes. Um, it's a fluid situation. So, you know, I talked on uh, on Wednesday show about, you know, he should be the number two. It looks like it's pretty clear. Maybe it's not as clear. Maybe they want to uh, to bring in someone with more experience to, uh, to you know, break glass in case of emergency and, um, you know, not have to turn things over to him this year if something should happen to Kirk Cousins. And, you know, part of it too could be the fact that, you know, at least as recently as a few weeks ago when they both were knocked out in protocols, you know, Kellen Mond got COVID, Kirk, Co- Kirk Cousins was a, a close contact. If those are your only two quarterbacks and they wind up in quarantine at the same time, you might like to have somebody else in the mix. And apparently that somebody else is not Jake Browning. But one thing I really wanted to focus on was uh, there, there was an interesting stat the other day that I saw on Twitter um, tweeted by uh, at Ben B. Baldwin, um, Computer Cowboy. Love that uh, handle. Basically, was kind of uh, you know, somebody on a, a different podcast one, you know, said Kirk Cousins isn't one of those guys to go out and, quote, get you a bucket when your team really needs it. Obviously, this is football, not basketball. But I think the, the, the type of play he's talking about it, you know, translates to both basketball and football, right? Like a guy who... You know, in basketball, if you're making this analogy, like games close, down the stretch, you know you need to score. Who can just flat out take the ball, and even if the defense knows exactly what you're going to do, even if there's no mystery about it, can still go and get you the basket you need. And I think that that translates to quarterbacks pretty well, right? End of game, end of half situations where you know you got a few minutes left on the clock, you're trying to drive for points. You know, maybe at the end of the game, it's to win or lose. Maybe at the end of the half, it's you know to try to build momentum, get some more points on the board keep the ball away from your opponent, things like that. So those are important moments in a game. They can't be overlooked, and I think they do tell a lot about a quarterback, right? So at Ben Baldwin, ran the numbers, um, found expected points added in the final four minutes of halves per play by quarterbacks in the last two seasons, 2019-2020, and ran it for quarterbacks. He found, you know, he, he worked out to one through 32 on this list. And there's some outliers, right? There's some there's some guys who you're like, really? That guy's at the top of the list? Like Derek Carr for the Raiders, number one. Like Derek Carr's a good quarterback. We wouldn't think he's number one. But the top 10 of this list does have 
the guys you would think are your usual suspects, right? Like Ryan, Pat Mahomes, number two. You know, Ryan Tannehill's been very good. He's number three. Drew Brees, number four. Russell Wilson, number five. Aaron Rodgers, number eight. Tom Brady, number 10. Like, these are the guys who are, you know, elite, quote-unquote, quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, who finds his way into some of these types of lists at the top half, if you're talking about, you know, accuracy, completion percentage, even sometimes, you know, pro football focus ratings, down here at number 29 in expected points added out of 32. And expected points added basically means like you isolate just on the quarterback, like the throws he's making, the decisions he's making. Is he adding or subtracting points per play based on all of those things? And they're saying Kirk Cousins is not, at least not in the last couple of years, which makes sense. It kind of matches the eye test, right? You, you like when, you know, the numbers kind of match the eye test. The eye test says that Cousins... When things are kind of in the clutch, not that he's not a clutch quarterback, but that if there's an obvious passing situation, sometimes that's not his strong suit because, you know, he defenses are keyed around the pass. He, he, he breaks down a little bit. Now, that's just two seasons. So I was curious, like, is that is that really hold up, you know, larger context? Well, later on in that thread, uh, there was it, it went back to 10 years, and this got really interesting because it went th- 1 through 39, a minimum of 400 plays in the final four minutes of halves. And this was telling not just of Kirk Cousins, but of, of the decision the Vikings had to make, you know, three, four years ago in free agency. So out of 38 quarter, 39 quarterbacks on this list, expected points added in the last 10 years during the final four minutes of half, so end of the first half, end of games, here are some of the bottom 10. Case Keenum at number 30, Sam Bradford at number 34, Kirk Cousins at number 35, and Teddy Bridgewater at number 36 out of 39. And again, the top of this list, once you add a little bit more uh, sample size to it, again, looks pretty, you know, look looks pretty much like a who's who of quarterbacks during that time. Patrick Mahomes, number one, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Deshaun Watson, Tony Romo, Dak Prescott. Those are 10 pretty good quarterbacks, and sometimes you like to think of Kirk Cousins in that category, but when it comes to the ends of halves and the ends of games, he has struggled. Now, you'll notice I I, I listed basically all four of the primary quarterbacks who have played during the Mike Zimmer era, and... I don't think it's a Mike Zimmer problem necessarily, but it is interesting to see that all four of the guys that they basically were considering after the 2017 season, you know, Cousins was the free agent they brought in, Keenum, Bridgewater, Bradford, they were all on the roster in 2017. All of those guys struggle in that situation. So is it coincidence? Is it the offensive line for the Vikings that also breaks down? Because, you know, you can imagine in obvious passing situations, which sometimes those end of game, end of half situations are, the breakdown of an offensive line when it's an obvious passing situation becomes more magnified. If teams are knowing they're going to pass rush and nothing else, they can go after the quarterback with impunity. So I thought that was interesting. Is it an offensive line problem? Is it a Vikings problem? I think it's probably a little bit of both because with all those quarterbacks going back to 2011, you get multiple teams, right? Cousins has a bunch of snaps with Washington. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater with multiple teams. Same with Case Keenum and Sam Bradford. It's not just the Vikings, but I bet the offensive line does have a role in that. Long story short, I don't think they had a great decision to make at all if they were trying to find a quarterback who could add points when it matters most when they were making that decision in 2018. Now, you can say none of them would have been as expensive as Cousins, and I think that's true. Uh, Maybe that's the ultimate indictment, that they got a guy who 
in the early parts of halves, in the early parts of seasons even, Kirktober is just fine and does well. But when it really matters the most, it does not work out for Kirk Cousins. Let's stick with football for a minute, too, because I was reading Randy Johnson's story, StarTribune.com, kind of setting up tonight's big game between the Gophers and Ohio State. I liked his approach, kind of how the Gophers could win, how the how Ohio State could lose, even when the Gophers are 14-point underdogs in this game. Kind of went back and looked at specific situations, which I thought was a smart way of doing it. You know, different Gopher wins in the past where they've been underdogs, where they've had to you know, overcome some stuff. And I think the biggest takeaway from that and there's something that randy and i talked about on the show on wednesday was that the gophers can control the ball and you know part of that part of that is control the line of scrimmage both on offense and defense they definitely have a chance and i think i think those are two strengths of this team offensive line and defensive line particularly offensive line so i think going into this game where it looks like it might rain especially you know later in the game i will be disappointed if the gophers don't keep this game close that if if we're in the second half maybe even you know end of third quarter early fourth quarter this game should be within reach and by that I mean within a score I feel like it really should be I feel like this is a Gophers team that has all the pieces in place and this is an Ohio State team that's breaking in a new quarterback that's you know the start of the year weird things can happen I think this game should be close and I'll be disappointed if it isn't even if this is a 14-point underdog for the Gophers. So looking forward to watching it um, anyway. And uh, But you know, watching it with a critical eye and watching it to see if the Gophers really are as good as I think they can be this season. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, Go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Special treat for daily delivery listeners. Going to become a weekly treat pretty soon. Keith Rashad, junior, longtime friend of mine. We go way back to junior high school and um, Vikings fan for longer than that. Have you not been? As a matter of fact, I have been, and, and yes, our, uh, we first met in Mrs. Peake's seventh grade English class many years ago, and I still actually remember the very first conversation we had. Really? What was it? You, you remember this? I, uh, so, refresh my memory. I probably will when you jog my memory. So I was sitting there, right, I'm, uh, and I didn't know anybody. I was new to this junior high school, right? The people I went to grade school with went to a different junior high school, and so I knew nobody in the seventh grade, and I'm sitting there. And Mrs. Peak, seventh grade English class, first period of the day. And all of a sudden, there's this kid, right, in this, in this, in this class, just yammering on about moving the wolves to the Eastern Conference. <laughs> that is not what I was talking about. <laughs> just wouldn't shut up oh, about geez. moving the wolves to the they Eastern Conference. They weren't even Conference. a franchise yet. That's a low blow. <laughs> That's a low blow. I'm just that's... telling the truth, man. I'm just <laughs> telling the truth. I thought this was a real story. And then we were just, and then I, I started arguing with you. I couldn't understand <laughs> why this seventh grader was so concerned about moving the wolves to the Eastern count. Cause I could see what was coming. Since. Cause I could see what was coming 30 years of futility toiling and away in the Western conference, just clamoring for that seventh seed <laughs> in the Eastern conference each and every year. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Um, that's that's not what we talked about, I'm sure, because they weren't even a franchise yet, I don't think. It would have been a year or two before their existence. But every week, uh, Keith, the professor, uh, is going to come on, and we're going to talk about the Vikings. 
because we talk about the Vikings pretty much all the time anyway, whether it's on phone calls, group chat, whatnot. He authored a book 12, 13, 14 years ago at this point now um, called My Least Favorite Team is My Favorite Team. And basically, you can go buy it. Um, If you can't find it on Amazon, reach out to me on Twitter, and I'll make sure we can figure out a way to get you a copy. Basically goes team by team in Vikings promises history. you can't keep. Well, I'll do, I'll do what I can. I'll, okay, let's start. There. I'll do what I can. You, there you, said, go. you said you probably have some uh, somewhere uh, anyway. Um, so my least favorite team is my favorite team. Basically about being a Vikings fan and all the teams that have broken their hearts over the years probably could use some updating after 14 years. I'm sure the New Orleans chapter could use a rewrite or four. But um, we're going to use this kind of as a way to get into the week by week for the Vikings. And right now, as more of a way to kind of talk about the season up ahead. So, Keith, um, what has the potential to make this your least favorite team? Uh, if they just keep going with exactly <laughs> what they're doing. If everything hasn't keeps been great playing so, out. Hasn't it's, been great so far, has it? No, no, it, it has not. It has not been. Uh, if, if everybody on the team gets COVID uh, and if uh, Mike Zimmer continues to essentially hate half of his football team, uh, one player in particular. Uh, I imagine that would continue the lifelong streak of them being utterly frustrating and awful. You were like, I was two months old the last time they went to the Super Bowl. You were like one, one year old. Um, you were, were you not born on the day of the Drew Pearson Hail Mary? I was, I was, I was born the day before. So my first full 24 hour day on this earth was the day that Drew Pearson pushed off. Yes. I mean, and yet you became a Vikings fan because it's just when you grow up, we're both from North Dakota. When you grow up, that's kind of your team, right? I mean, there's, it's, it's, you have family that roots for the Vikings and it just kind of becomes part of this thing you do. What was your, what was your early your earliest either elation or misery or probably both Vikings moment. Well, you remember the run in 87. I, I know you remember the run yeah, in 87. I and uh, so that was the, the strike year, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was. When the, the scrubs went 0-3 yes. and really submarined a pretty decent Vikings team. They finished eight and seven, I think that year. Yeah, so eight and four without the replacement player. So pretty good. Right. They, they, they snuck into the playoffs. And I was unfortunately at that perfect age. I was 12 years old. And I remember thinking to myself before that playoff run, I said, I, if, they just, if they just lose, if they lose like I expect them to, and, and the way they've been disappointing all year long, I'm just going to quit on this team. I will finally just be done and I will not invest myself in this team whatsoever. And then they go out there and they absolutely smack around New Orleans. Yes. uh, (laughs) The first of many playoff battles with New Orleans that turned out to be interesting over the course of this franchise. Some ups and downs, you know. A little little of both. What have you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And the, you know, but then they're playing the mighty San Francisco 49ers after that. Yeah. That's in the midst of their stretch for their winning Super Bowls. And Joe Montana is the greatest thing on planet Earth and blah, blah, blah. And then Anthony Carter goes insane. Yeah. Right. Catches everything. 
I think he even caught three passes from Montana as well, too. That's right? pretty rude of him, but yeah, I think you're right. And so it, they end up beating the 49ers, which I did not think was possible. I was ready no. to give up on them on that. And then they get to the NFC Championship game. And this is it, right? This That's is it. it. They have been on a roll. Washington's not that great, right? This is a beatable team. They could keep doing it. And then Darren Nelson drops that pass. Sure did. And I remember watching that game at my grandparents' house. And as soon as Darren Nelson dropped that pass, I fell off the couch. I buried my hand and my head between my arms. And all I did for the next 10 minutes was make myself not cry. <laughs> that is all that I did was make myself not cry. So I am not going to cry about this. And somehow I managed to escape crying uh, and, and still watch that stupid team to this very day. The Minnesota Vikings, your fandom was cemented in a moment of pure agony where your 12-year-old self could only think about not crying. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Let me ask you a question. So fast fast was, <laughs> go, yeah, go, fast forward ask you a question. today. Go ahead. Yeah. Ask me a question. Because uh, I've been thinking about this, right? I'm thinking about just how awful and stupid it is to be a fan of this team. And I'm, I have been trying to think of the highlights. What are, what are the highlights? Now, obviously, we've got the Minneapolis miracle. Yes. Right? That was just beautiful. That was pure elation, right? Yep. There, was the, there was the 15 in one season. Yep. And that whole season was just fun. It yes. was good. There was the Randy Moss Monday night game. Part of that Green season, Bay. yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, Brett Favre. Yes. For that one glorious year. Beating the Packers twice, the Greg Lewis play. There's a lot of crazy games that year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, what else? <laughs> like, what, what, else? Are the, what are the good things that you hold on to as a Vikings fan? Yeah, when you put it that way, and you just mentioned, I mean, let's, to be fair, you, you mentioned a few pretty big moments and, and seasons. I would say like, Oh, what else? I mean, the I guess the the individual kind of standouts that they've had over the years. I mean, think about the the Hall of Famers they've had on this team or the future Hall of Famers. Just getting to watch Randy Moss in his prime, getting to watch Adrian Peterson in his prime. The some of the defenses they had. Um, you know, getting I remember to watch Adrian Peterson not catch passes. Yeah, every year, every mm -hmm. year he was going to catch passes, but he never did. And you and I had our. This is in college. I think we had our obstructed view season tickets, $99 yeah. yes. at the Metrodome for season tickets to 10 games, including the preseason uh, section 235 uh, seats, eight and 11. That's right. 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 By the, one of the big, there's a giant pillar. There's a giant yeah. pillar right there. So we had to sit like basically two seats apart um, so that you could see like 80 to 90% of the field. That was a great bargain, by the way. I, I miss those seats so much. I really do. Those like were some great seasons. Way up in the corner, but didn't matter. You were in the building, and those were some pretty good teams, right? Wasn't it 98, 99, 2000, right in there? Yep. Um, yep. So the Culpepper, you know, the first Culp, you know, the, the good Culpepper year where they went to the MC title game. Although I do have to admit, even as you were asking me that question, I was thinking back as you were talking about the, the 87 MC title game, like the last five NFC title games they've lost were that one, which is heartbreaking in its own yep. way. Yep. And then of course, 98, which is heartbreaking in a million ways. Oh, well, that's, oh, 2000, I was 2000, which is 41 donut. Yep. Yep. You know, just, yep. just, you know, 
can't just be like a routine 24 13, you know, Hey, it just didn't go their way kind of game. And then, you know, the Brett Favre interception overtime, and then 38, seven to the Eagles with the chance to play the Super Bowl in your home stadium. So aside from that, it's been great. Well, yeah. And so that's kind of the point of the question in many ways, is what is the good to hang on to? There are a handful of decent moments. There's a handful of decent moments, one really exceptional season. And then that's it. That's it. I think at this point, people are hanging on because if and when, well, two reasons. One, you can't, if you're a real fan, you don't just quit on a team, right? You, you kind of, you're kind of with them and, you know, you can, you know, you can move away. You, you, you're in, you're in North Carolina now, you're, you're distanced from them, but you still watch them every week. Like this is your team. You've adopted other you know, hockey team, things like that. But this is still your football team. You're not a Carolina Panthers fan. So if you're a fan, you can't just say, well, too much pain. I mean, you can, but it's hard to just give up yeah, on but, it. Because but can't you? you can't could, you? But, but what if they ever won us? Like, what if in your lifetime they won a Super Bowl, but you had given up on it and it didn't feel like you had the ability to properly celebrate that catharsis? Well, let me ask you the question in a different way. Let me okay. ask you the question in a different way, which is, were they to win a Super Bowl, would it make up for now 40 plus years of 41 Donut, of Denny taking a knee, of uh, Anthony Carter, not Anthony Carter, um, Darren Nelson dropping that pass? Yeah. What, what would a Super Bowl win do? Would it be enough? To when you I, think about all of the rest of it that somebody is involved, that 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 somebody of our age yeah. has invested in, I bet this it, particular team. I bet it would, just because you know when you watch the experience of like a Red Sox fan or a Cubs fan when they finally win the World Series, you know, and it's just this kind of this release, like <clears throat> it finally happened, like the 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 ecstasy of that moment is added on to be by all the pain from before. It's not, it doesn't, that, I don't think those, that I don't think the pain gets canceled out. I think it adds to the ecstasy. I can remember when you or I, you and I were in Chicago, like a decade ago, walking to Wrigley field, I think. And we were talking about like, like, like bargaining even we're like, would you give, like, if I told you the Vikings were going to win the Super Bowl next year, but then you, but you couldn't watch them for the next 20 years after that. Would you do it? And you're like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's just like one super bowl. Like you would pretty much trade anything in your fandom for one super bowl. Yeah. But think, think about how that question is posed too, right? But if I finally got that super bowl, maybe I could finally quit watching That's football. That's true. I think the other question was what if they won the super bowl, but you weren't allowed to, you didn't know you, you didn't get to watch any of the games. You only found out afterwards. Hmm. That is a tough one. Would you still would you still go for it? So would I be prevented from ever watching? No, that, you that you would have. Yeah, you uh, you could probably go back and watch the games, but you wouldn't have been able to see them in the moment. Hmm. Boy. You're like on the moon for a year, or it's something, or you know, <laughs> watching little league baseball. Watching little league baseball. I I I actually brought my son to little league baseball yesterday. Youth sports is. Uh, uh, just hilarious. Yes. Like this one, the one kid, the one kid hit the ball and then went to field the ball himself. Right. So he tried to field the ball on his <laughs> own hit. It's just, 
I love youth sports. They're just oh, the best. That is the best. It's like when a lineman catches a pass. That actually happened in the Vikings game. You probably didn't watch the preseason game the other day, but there was a ball batted down. Kellen Mond pass, and one of the linemen caught it. I love when that happens. It's kind of the yeah. same idea. It's almost like they fielded their own failure. Um, okay, we gotta we gotta finish this up, but. We talked, we talked a lot about the past. I asked you seriously, and you gave a serious answer about what could make this your least favorite team this year. What, if anything, do you see as the, the reason for hope if you are a Vikings fan in this particular season? What's good about this team? Well, we, you and I chatted about this a couple of weeks ago, and I think the thing that I said at that time that still somewhat holds true was this is a team that that has enough talent, right? Has enough talent to have a certain level of success. And so one could look at this team and, and say to themselves, boy, if seven different things go right for this team, if they get seven different breaks, this could be a really special season. So if Kirk uh, not necessarily takes the next step, but demonstrates a level of, of consistency, that is, that is uh, more in the Kirk Tober vein of yes. his play. Uh, if the offensive line is finally mended with the two new players and whatever other upgrades they, they might make or not make, or I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. If everybody on defense stays healthy and all these folks on the one-year contracts or just have a year left, perform to the level that we expect them to, right? If there's no COVID or all that kind. So if seven different things go right for this team, they, they could have a really great and successful season. Uh, so far, none of those seven things no. seems to have gone right, right? So far, they have whiffed on uh, all, of, all of them, pretty much all at the same time. And so uh, I guess it, it, the regular season is, it will start fresh, We'll have a, a new opportunity for those seven things to iron themselves out. I am not particularly optimistic, uh, but I guess it could happen. Yeah, I think that I think it boils down to, and I expressed this on a different podcast, I think last week, that their top end talent is about as good as anybody else's top end talent, like the best 12 to 15 players on this team. It's just a matter of will they perform to previous expectations and will they stay healthy and is that enough to offset a roster that i don't think has much depth at all and and also uh, to what extent can we expect uh, all the plexiglass and pope mobile to protect Kirk cousins it's a it's a reasonable alternative to a better offensive line is what i would say keep them protected put them in plexiglass yeah yeah and, and well okay all right all right i won't get political and please 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 <laughs> Get the Timberwolves to the Eastern Conference. That's yes. Hope you guys enjoyed that segment. Um, kind of sad, right? That uh, the history of fandom with this team in some cases and just, you know, the, the feeling going into the season that if they keep doing what they've been doing so far in camp, where to me, not a ton has gone right. Now, I think the one exception to that is not much has gone wrong on the defense. And I think this is going to be a defense first team this season. It can't help but think that even with the numbers in 2020, this is Mike Zimmer. This is, this is how he wants to play, but we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. And we'll do that segment every week. I'm going to have a football show basically every Tuesday with some Gophers and Viking stuff mixed in, still working on the format, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's finish with the cooler. 
I'm going to get to Ben Simmons on Friday show. I want to save that because there's a lot of good stuff with Ben Simmons and Philadelphia and maybe requesting a trade doesn't want to be there anymore. And what does that mean for the Timberwolves? But I need a little bit more time on that. So let's finish with Joe Ryan's debut for the Twins. Been waiting for this ever since the Nelson Cruz trade a little over a month ago. I thought Joe Ryan was good. Five innings, three runs, really the, the only damage, only uh, but significant damage being a three-run home run in the third. I think his pitch mix is good. I think I'd like to see it a little bit more because I think Bally Sports North had a graphic at one point in that game where 55 of his 70 pitches at that point had been fastballs. Now, his fastball was fooling a lot of uh, fooling a lot of Cubs hitters and was getting a lot of swings and misses, but eventually a major league team is going to catch on that you're just throwing your fastball and you're going to he's going to get hit pretty hard and that's what happened in that third inning uh, where you got you know rocked around a little bit for that long home run another extra base hit off the you know hits off the wall things like that so if he can work on his pitch mix just a little bit and it looks like he's got three solid pitches with the fastball the curveball you know the fastball the breaking ball and the changeup he's got a chance he looks like he's got the confidence his post game was hilarious he looks like he's got the charisma that people are going to like. It's just going to work, you know, at this level, you're going to have to work in that pitch mix a little bit more. And I'm guessing that he will as the uh, as the adrenaline settles down a little bit and he figures out how to pitch, not just how to throw in the big leagues. That'll do it for today. Should have a lot of Gophers talk in the morning on Friday coming off of tonight's big game. And like I mentioned, some Ben Simmons talk as well. Also going to post a couple of bonus podcasts over the weekend from uh, from appearances at the State Fair with Lindsey Whalen, along with uh, Gophers uh, women's basketball writer Kent Youngblood, and Chris Finch, Timberwolves head coach, with Chris Hine and myself as well out at the fair. So listen for that over the weekend as well. Thanks for listening today, and we'll catch you again on Friday.